big sky, big potential. This is Eastern Promise. This episode of Eastern Promise is brought to you by Priorscroft Services. Sound thinking. Greetings and welcome to episode 65 of Eastern Promise, the podcast that explores the full, rich and growing potential of the East of England and shares it with you and all around the world. I'm Mike Rigby, and this week I'm joined by Dr Johanna Forster and Dr Ben Little of the University of East Anglia's Civic University programme. We'll be discussing their work in bringing people together and to figure out what the future role of the UEA is, whether in and for Norwich or for the region at large. And finally, which of our region's pubs have you searching out scampi, picking a ploughman's or scoring a Sunday roast? Let's peruse the menu for another crowd sorcery. What is a civic university? Their size, whether that's the physical footprint of the campus or the sheer number of staff, students and visitors passing through every day, give universities a unique ability to affect change. And the University of East Anglia is one of several exploring their role in society, considering how best to deploy a university's transformative power to better connect with and generate benefit for the wider community and the region. After all, they are the University of East Anglia. My guests this week, Dr Johanna Forster and Dr Ben Little, are leading this project for the UEA. We sat down in the UEA's own podcasting studio at Broadcast House in the centre of Norwich for a very enjoyable, insightful and exciting chat about the project. Here are some highlights of the two hours we spent in conversation and we join Dr Ben Little explaining how universities and academics are well equipped to take on this role. Because universities are sort of curiosity-led yeah. in terms of research programmes, like most of the time it's about where does an academic's expertise lead them and how can we make meaningful connections in the region? You know, because it has to be led by the research, it has to be led by the intellectual, intellectual inquiry. And that doesn't mean we can't do like amazing. We do do amazing things, right? Yeah, yeah. We do build these relationships, but it takes time, and so and it can't be sort of dictated from a sort of central role. It's much more about curating, nurturing, um, you know, sharing understanding, sort of trying to, and, and particularly with with universities which have been so like heavily marketized uh, in terms of the structures around them, in terms of the sorts of measurement that that come on them, people are under a lot of pressure to deliver very specific things against very specific targets um, within that context of sort of individual self-management. So relationship building in that space is a 
gentle process. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, but absolutely. I, and I think what's interesting is that you have that model that you've just described, and yet universities are seen as, you know, a clo- often a closed ivory tower where information's generated, and it, and they and they might not have very very clear strong links with the places that they're based within and i think that's what we've done and what we've tried to do through the methods that we've been using for this kind of grassroots um co-production of the sort of agenda that we want to use through our civic program so yes we've got an idea maybe of the sorts of things we might want to do because we we understand the place we work within um but we you know it's an unusual way of doing things to to have a series of open meetings across a region Norfolk and Suffolk and say come along and you tell us the sorts of things that you think a civic university should do and behave what are the values the principles going forward and then as Ben has described you know then actually taking that and not just taking a few notes but that has you know written up in books and then we will use that to you know help structure the the foundation of of the whole program. So what's interesting to me about what you've just said Johanna is the one, I mean, uh, I would imagine that you get quite the wide range of um, opinion, view, particularly when you open these things out to the public. And as they say, decisions are made by those who show up. Um, and so how do you kind of manage the spectrum of views about what a... Because on the I, I, I don't know, you, you can tell me far better, but on the one hand, do you get the... University bastion of the Wokarati on the other, and on the other side, you know, support all these things, LGBTQ plus rights, refugee rights. I mean, I went to a UEA event. I, I, it took me ages. It's funny what you said about these things taking a while to build, because I went to, um, for, for a while when I started, it was, I, I struggled to get the UEA, to, to, to make headway get, getting into the UEA and its structures. And then all of a sudden, I've had like the UEA has almost been a, uh, a not I'm not quite a weekly presence, but they have, the UEA featured this week. They featured uh, last week and uh, not last week, the week before last, and so on and so on. Which is great, which is great. But it just speaks to what you said. I'm sort of jumping around a bit, but it speaks to what you said about them taking time to build. But I'm just to, to, yeah. to backtrack to my actual point, <laughs> which is in there somewhere. How do you deal with that with a spectrum of views you're likely to get, especially when you involve the public? So I mean these these. These meetings, they are, they're not just a soapbox for people to come along and, and say, yeah. you know, yeah. have, a, have a, you know, a long protracted um, oration about something. What, what they do is they, they allow people to come into, the, they are called open space. So they're set within a, a large room. People sit in a circle. There's a long um, kind of opener about the, it being a safe space to come and talk about the sorts of things. That's so important, that, yeah. Absolutely. So we give we give that kind of setting and, it, and, and we really build the kind of the feeling in the room, the emotion in the room around, you know, anything you think is important relating to this question that we, we put on the wall, what does a civic point, yeah. university mean to you in this setting? And then come into the circle and say what you want to say, write it on a post-it, put it over in what we call the marketplace. And then we have some amazing student helpers that then basically organise those ideas into mini discussion forums. So so the agenda for the day is basically set by the people that turn up and and whoever turns up are the right people to turn up. And because they they showed up right so you know giving a day is a big is a big deal yeah. in our busy lives and then they put out what they think is important and then those things are the discussion points and then that ends up being written up for these books so it isn't a sort of chaotic scene 
it's there no, is a, it there's, there's a structure like there but it's very much allowing a co-production of the sorts of things people want to talk about on the day i think i think what you've sort of highlighted uh and i'll ask you to reflect on this ben is the, the there's a warmth there there's a warmth and dare i say with the name is a bit of a giveaway openness do you think it that takes a particular kind of moderator um to, to do that successfully the facilitation is both very simple and quite hard. Yes. So facilitate- that's what makes it harder to make it simple. So the facilitator's job is to go into the circle to create a space where everyone feels equal. You know, we don't put people's titles on name badges. Everyone is really? just a first name sitting in a yeah. circle at the beginning. And that's very, very deliberate. The facilitator's job is to suck the authority out of the room and create a space where the participants are capable of being a little bit vulnerable. Um, so when you go and stand into a stand in the middle of a circle of strangers and tell them what you care about, tell them what your passions are, what, what's sort of bubbling up from your tummy as you um, as you're thinking about this question, um, that space needs to be of a very specific sort to allow you know anyone from like you know the Lord Mayor to a first year student to be able to come up and say, this is what I care about. And to know that they don't need to be expert in it. They don't need to have all the answers. They're just saying, this is something I would like to have a conversation about. And what that does, that moment of equality and vulnerability is sets the tone for the rest of the day. Because then the rest of the day, it's like, it's not a pressure cooker because the pressure isn't external, right? When you're in that space, the pressure- the Catalyst, comes, I think you tell you, catalyst. Yeah, the, the, the pressure comes from within you. Yeah. You, you, you feel it inside you and you want to go up and you want to say something. And once you've done that, that means the rest of the day, everything is, is casual, is human. Uh, you feel like you're in a space of collaboration, of partnership. And that initial 15 minutes is about setting the tone for the rest of the day. And, and that, as a facilitator is uh, I, I get is, I mean I get fantastically nervous I can before delivering I can, it I can well believe that because having some some experience of work uh, doing these things for for and with people who I'm going to say this politely place quite a large premium on their status on their um, shall we say suffix um, and I do not envy you that task because what you've just described sounds like a mammoth thing to suck authority out of the room, place everyone on the same level and treat every idea with equal value, equal weight is, is, is not easy uh, at all. It's Joanna. Yeah, please, no, jump in. I, I think that what, what I really, what really struck me, um, cause I facilitated one of these. So I, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in newer to the role of the facilitator for this specific, specific, uh, type of, um, meeting but you know what's amazing is the re the retention rate of people as well is really high throughout the day so people mm. they're like bought in they really are bought in they're really impassioned by it um the range of people coming is extraordinary so that i i, I organized and and facilitated the the sort of climate environmental one and you know we had people at the the, the kind of most senior leadership within the university we had people across senior levels in organizations that relate to kind of environment and climate in the region we had students we had um people from lots of different sort of organizations and charities i mean it's it is really incredible how many people show up and how they engage in this process and people really seem to appreciate that time and that space 
to actually put those views across. And it's an absolute privilege to be in the position that we are leading this program of events and activities and taking this information forward as we think about how we're going to actually use it you know it really is a privilege yeah i think as well credit to to uea for giving the permission to do something as open-ended as well because it is nerve-wracking and you don't know what's going to come up and it's exposing you know to be there and have and to run these meetings and i think it does show our openness and it does does show as an institution like where we're trying to to go to i guess in terms of how we want to 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 work within the region but i think the other thing i want to say is obviously we've, we've been talking a lot about civic work and, and regional work but obviously we're a global globally recognized yes. institution as well and it's that interface between and i think that's what makes uea so so important as a as a university in the region that we are because it's not just about the work we do at a regional level it's actually how you know we are a a, a world-leading institution of research and teaching excellence and we're here and you know that often interacts with the civic work it sometimes you know doesn't it, and, and and there's all of those things we do all of those things really brilliantly and that's something again that came through a lot of these public meetings is you know people know about the climate work we do they know about the creative work we do they know about the the world-leading history um especially you know, at the moment yeah, yeah absolutely so, you know there's all of those things that come with within this space I think I think when we went into it, that was like that was the worry that there's there would be this tension between the local responsibilities of the institution and its sort of global s scope and ambition, and the opposite has been the case. Is actually you understand how deeply those two things are intertwined. Absolutely. Like, like and people coming to these meetings, like, they really understand that that actually UEA's role, one of its key roles, is to be an ambassador for the region in the world to bring the world here like you know in terms of other researchers and students but also possibilities and we're a really interesting institution in that we're so in terms of our national footprint we're so focused on the east of england like you know there was a report done in 2019 which basically said 97 percent of our gross value added in the uk is in the wider east of england yeah. like we're, we're, we're very much a regional institution but we've got this huge global footprint mm. um and that and that's part of the value that's why we can do the research at the standard that we do it at and it's why it's fundamental to what we contribute to east anglia well it is and i was covering uh, an event at the enterprise center for your colleagues in student enterprise and that was for students postgraduates and masters, etc., to uh, come up with uh, ways to solve uh, problems uh, the world faced. And you had uh, students originally from Bolivia coming up with uh, ways to tackle the water crisis that Bolivia is, uh, Bolivia is facing. You had students from um, uh, Nigeria to have all these people from globally come and, and enrich this institution, this city, this region. It, it is truly a wonderful thing. And one of them was a, a student uh, called Mitra Tanaman from Afghanistan. And she was turning uh, junk into jewellery. And to do that and to, to, to engage with what she was doing and see that there was a human being on the other side of it, I think it speaks to a fundamental core part of what you're doing, which is fostering understanding and through understanding, fostering acceptance of a wide range of viewpoints, which is being lost, I think, at a frightening rate uh, in, in, in the world uh, at, the, at present. But I'm going to sort of cycle round because you've got the many varied strands of the work you're doing. And there's a legal 
aspect. You talked about the climate aspect, and we've we've sort of covered. We've had Asher Mins on the podcast talking about you know the, the the urgency of the climate aspect. But could you just drill down a bit more than you already have into the various strands and how you're kind of pulling them together into the one? Because the charter, I think, is the the aim, the end aim of what you're doing. Do you want to just pull that together a bit more? So I mean, the things that have been running for years and years and years, which you know. We can't take any credit for. <laughs> like they just no, exist. They're part of. They're part, that's what I mean. It's like the, this civic work is, is oh, right. so deep in well, in the institutional DNA. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to put a structure around it. That's exactly. That, yeah, that was that was what I was very badly struggling yeah, towards. Yeah, I mean, like, is the threads that you're you're using to pull all these things together and turn it into something at the end, which is kind of uh, what I think is great is that there's so many people trying to push towards the same ends which is to be uh civically aware civically minded there's an inherent belief and i'd, I'd love johanna if ask you to reflect on this and then ben i think there's an inherent belief that as well as we are doing um and you get to see doing this uh some truly amazing wonderful people across norfolk suffolk cambridgeshire essex doing some really incredible work that the world knows about but often we have no clue internally in the region but there's some people doing incredible things and they need to be championed. They need to be celebrated. And I think that's what you guys are doing as well to bring that together and say what you're doing is amazing. And it has so much more potential beyond what you're doing. I mean, is that is that something you recognise? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there are examples of work activities happening that you know again we can't take credit for this because it's it's just it's just showcasing and supporting the work that our colleagues are doing most of the time but something that i was involved in recently was a piece of a piece of work and thinking around kind of cultural heritage loss at the coast so you know, yeah, Haysborough and we exactly you know. right. So we live in a you know beautiful county where we have an eroding coastline that's been going on for centuries, but obviously people's lives are being deeply affected. And so we had a, a brilliant meeting of um, people from Norfolk and people from Ghana come. It was a it was a conference, really, yeah, and it was about sharing stories, sharing experiences, sharing research ideas around a common theme, which was you know environmental change impacts of the coast specifically relating to heritage loss and i think that that's a really lovely example of where you 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 know the people that are involved in that in that conference in that meeting they spanned environmental science they spanned the arts they spanned humanities we had archaeologists there we had engineers you know people working at different levels and different communities in different parts of the world but all talking about the same sort of thing and it's about kind of sharing those experiences and valuing what's going on and thinking about is there a common language is there a common kind of narrative we can give to those sorts of things that maybe you know haven't necessarily been talked about regionally or globally and you know where can we go and again it's a great example i think of where uea can offer that that kind of that structure do you know what i think if i may you are selling your contribution short there because yes these people and i'm taking nothing away from all these various projects and what they're doing which is incredible and there's nothing there are a few things more beautiful than people doing things for the good of their community because it's the right thing to do but what you're doing is creating a, very, a hugely important framework and we talked about this a bit earlier the nature of a virtuous circle and how the East of England is building one at uh, Honningham with the Food Enterprise Park. That virtuous circle of agri-tech, food production, the food innovation cluster, academic research, all going in 
to produce something that's really going to put a stamp on our region. And you guys are doing the same thing in terms of a civic virtuous circle. You are connecting the connecting tissue if you'll allow me to be grandiose for a second. I never usually need permission, but um, the connecting tissue between all these fantastic community initiatives and you are bringing them together to create this wider picture of a civically-minded city, a civically-minded region and a civically-minded institution that wants to do the best by the people in, in its locality and, as Ben said, and you've articulated beyond because it is the right thing to do. And I think that is a tremendously powerful thing. And Ben, can you just reflect on my little... I mean, I couldn't have said that. You're only you're allowed to say that. <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> I, I mean, like, look, if you go to London, mm -hmm. you know, you can you can throw a stone and you can hit a university. If you, you can throw hit it. now, folks. By yeah, way. yeah. UEA, because UEA exists for the region, because it was founded by the region in it, for it to meet, you know, the higher education needs of East Anglia. And it's done so incredibly successfully. I mean, we're not taking any credit for that. We're just oh, like, don't be we're just, so. We're just custodians, right? You know, we're like, you know, yeah. imagine what this region would be like without without this higher education institution. It'd be it would be a very very different place, and it's a much richer place because of it. And that means we've got a big responsibility to to do to do right. Can I raise because this fascinates me both because it's. Geogra the ge geography, the infrastructure, travel-wise of it. Obviously, University of East Anglia is Norfolk and Suffolk. Um, what interaction do you have with Cambridge and with uh, like Essex, which are kind of key parts of the region? Obviously, Cambridge always seems to have its own uh, SHID figured out, um, on the surface at least. Uh, but what, what kind of... <laughs> there's a funny face being pulled there, like... I mean, I think I think Cambridge is doing all right with its university. <laughs> it I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, 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 <laughs> they've got one there, haven't they? I think they have. Yeah, I've heard of it. Is it? Uh, and of course, there's ARU, of course. Oh, yeah, um, that's what I meant. Anglia oh. Ruskin. Yeah, oh, you yeah. meant them? Okay, yeah, 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 that's yeah. fine. Uh, the, the, there's another one, but nobody goes there. But okay, that's that was one question. They're doing all right. Um, but I mean, I think I think actually we would we think we're thinking quite a lot about like you know what not just in the civic level, but thinking the civic level with all the sort of other activities and thinking the sorts of things which we should be supporting in terms of developing new curricula, sort of the sorts of graduates that the region needs and those sorts of things. And like closer connections to the sorts of things happening in Cambridge, like around game design, for instance. I mean, I think yeah. there's real, there's like, if you look at, uh, particularly thinking about Norfolk here, you, you look at Norfolk and you sort of think about what's, what's Norfolk's future going to look like and how can UEA, you know, rise to meet those needs. And there's some really obvious things, right? Like we need more dentists, Right. So we need like dentist, yes, yes. dentistry school of some description or some sort of way of supporting the training of new dentists. That's definitely really important. And, you know, there's lots of thinking going on around that. But you, you look at you look at like what's going to happen in terms of economic growth and development in this region. And we, we know what's here and we know that it's really important and we really do good work supporting that. So, you know, stuff around agriculture, as, you, as you've talked so eloquently about um, around like, you know, coastal offshore energy, like that's really yes, important. Yes, that is really you know, important. I heard, you know, I've heard the figure that 40% of the UK's energy supply could come through the South North Sea and that's that's Norfolk, right? Yeah. But more than that, you know, we're not, we're not a county that's clamouring after like, you know, heavy industry. We don't want, we're not a place where we're going to be like, you know, making steel in vast quantities. No. Probably the fishing fleets are not going to come back to, to Yarmouth in any time soon. But we are a place where, you know, and we know this through the meetings that we've held, the public meetings, that, you know, there are a lot of big employers 
um, anchor institutions, if you want to use that terminology, you know, Lotus is, is a good example of one, you know, where they, you know, these all these these businesses want to employ local people. They want to employ young people here, people, you know, from from Norfolk like living here. They want to, you know, bring their families up here. Mm. So it's also about actually making sure that we we do offer the right kind of training and, and skills to to retain our, 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 you know, the next generations. What, I just wanted to come back to something you, you'd said about, you know, whether we work closely with other universities within, and we do. I mean, we're part of um, the Eastern Arc. So, you know, you've got the UEA, you've got University of Essex and Kent. And so this is this is a, a collaborative um, sort of umbrella um, uh, collective, I guess, but, uh, of universities within the Eastern Arc. And so through that mechanism, you know, there are, collaborative funding bids that go in for research yeah. and conferences and things like that and the um and students and you know lots of lots of activities happening again you know not not taking any credit for that at all but that's that's out there that's been going on for some time um can i jump back to lotus yeah, sorry. yeah jump back to lotus. <laughs> go for it. but it's like yeah so it's thinking about things like lotus and thinking it like you know high tech high skill low impact economy like that's the sort of thing we probably want to build here like games We've got the writing, you know, a centre for arts, culture, heritage, those sorts of things, tourism. Like that's the sort of way in which we can develop. And that's like those links through to Cambridge, for instance. I think like there's, the there are. There and, the, you know, the Corridor Tech East. Yep. Tim, shout out to Tim Robinson there. Okay. Um, <laughs> and no, you're absolutely right. And there's, there's, there, are, there are so many opportunities for that to succeed and to grow. So you guys have obviously got a lot of skill and a lot of experience in engaging with existing initiatives in a very non-threatening, um, collaborative fashion. And as somebody who really wants to do that himself with Eastern Promise, I, I, I basically want a crib from what you're doing. So how do you, uh, you choose who's going to lead on that, please? But how do you go about it? Ben, you've been elected. How do you go about it? Um, you model an ethos. So you model an ethos of openness. You try and give credit to others around you. You support and nurture the sort of the talent you see in others. And you orientate yourself in a way that enables you to bring bring them along with you. Now, I'm going to say this, and I don't mean it in a so way... Slowly, too. I think oh, yes, it has to be. Time yeah, don't well. rush. I mean, I think don't rush and, and put value on things that you know, are intangible that you can't necessarily monetize, you know, like the things that the social capital that we both have that, you know, we, that, that others have that you build throughout your life, through your networks, not in a strategic way, not looking over someone's shoulder to see who might be better to speak to in the room, but like valuing each conversation and building on that and mm. taking a mental note that you want to follow something through. I mean, that's, that's, that's how a lot of what we've done at work and outside of work i think is has grown and why you know i think it's fair to say like it's snowballing quite quickly this whole process like, don't, you know, don't prejudge outcome would be the other thing being just being open to to anything happening and curiosity, uh, that's interesting yeah like, curiosity like oh that's so important you know, so you know you might come from your own from our point of view we're both academics right so that's that's our kind of like foremost kind of grounding in, in a way and like we both come from completely different disciplines so we um you know are curious though in things that we might not know anything about and then you can kind of join those links up and think oh that's something there that you know maybe I could like build on or you should speak to so and so and also it's about 
I think as well ego like it's not all about us it's not about us we're just as you said the custodians so it's like these are not necessarily our relationships we were happy to help you know foster stronger ones in different places where they matter so I mean you, you you've described I think a number of really simple concepts in a really elegant and eloquent way then you basically described and I know you might not see it this way and I don't think you even mean it this way but you've described what you've described is leadership in its purest, simplest form. Yes. And it's, it's, both it's, of you. It's, fact, it's an idea about what leadership should is. be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or what, yeah. I think, and, uh, I think we're quite conscious of that. I think so. Yeah. And we also co-lead this process, which I think is something and that's noteworthy, you know, to mm-hmm. have senior leadership position in a university that is a co-leadership position. Yeah. It's, it's almost unheard of. Like Johanna has many 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 skills that i don't and 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 the reverse of that well that's that's yeah. that, that's that i mean that's key that's you know i mean uh i think you, i think many of us can think back to sort of fulfilling working relationships we've had where you've just clicked on a professional level with someone who brings the thing that would make your brain explode i, I think there's so just on the co-leadership thing i think there's there's also there's also another like really important like like not about us reason to do it in that so many so many things that happen in this world are often seen as like you know so and so's project or you know there's that sort of sense of someone having a territory and they're sort of they're going out and doing something and when there's two of you you can do the work and i and i yeah and i I fully acknowledge that i am guilty of what i'm about you know of, of, of the thing i'm about to describe to you i am so guilty of this my baby, oh, yeah, my yeah, baby, yeah, my exactly. baby. And you can't do that, at least not individually. You might do it together, but you can't do it individually. And, uh, you know, you can't do what I sometimes do, which is resist very sensible suggestions from other people, simply because it's mine and I know what's best. Um, we, yeah, no, so we, we've built out the bad ideas before we get to that point, <laughs> right? I, I, like, you, I don't do that. You, you know, it's that thing of like, I mean, I do this all the time. And like, I'm really certain like this is, you know, this is the thing. This is the this. way. Like, oh, yeah, no, this is the way. Um, and, and you know, I can go to Johanna and she'll be like, nah. You know, and like, it doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. But, but. but- but, it, but yeah, no, it, it really that that is important. There's a filter there, isn't yeah. there? And there's an and, the, and there's a sense check, and it's all sorts of things, really. And it's also recognizing, you know, your own weaknesses and where somebody else yeah. will will fill those. And that's 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 brilliant. And it also gives you confidence because yeah. it means you can do more. And and, and what you just to track back because I interviewed Nick Talbot, who's director of the Sainsbury's Lab, yesterday, and what he said is something you have echoed unknowingly. He was talking about the process of discovery. And I think what you outlined was a, a process of discovery uh, in his own right. But he basically said, we, we discover by just doing and trying and, you know, flinging the spaghetti at the wall, so to speak. That's a very pain, painful metaphor, but uh, flinging the spaghetti at the wall and see if it sticks. Not, to, uh, you know, if we do this, then that will happen and it's bound to. It's a lot of trial and error and a process of discovery. Oddly enough, and that's what you've outlined. You are uncovering, um, discovering all these these fantastic things that are happening, and I don't want to say bringing them into the light because I'm sure they've got enough light of their own. But I'll, like, go, I'll go back to my point about that creating that connecting tissue, because, and I'll, I'll ask Johanna then Ben to reflect on this. What you are achieving is momentum. 
And that has, uh, and, and I, I hope, I believe and I hope that that's what Easton promises to me in its own quiet way, is achieving momentum, which creates gra- a kind of a force of gravity that pulls in people, pulls in people with ideas and of people of will. And I've always thought you, you create, you do these things by a process of the coalition of the willing and the, and you don't, yeah. you don't, you don't do it by just about to say that. constantly banging at the door of the people. You don't bang at the door repeatedly of the people who don't want to work with you. No. no. Or don't share your values. No. Um, you go to those that do and you pull in those that do, however big, however small, and you, focus around those shared points of value. Just ask you to both to reflect on that. Let's start with you, Johanna. Well, you basically just said what I was going to say. So I'm sorry I'm, about that. I'm happy to reflect on that. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely our ethos. Ben used that word, ethos. That's the ethos. We, you know, there's there's this thing about thinking about the institution of UEA and we didn't want to make people do something they didn't want to do or think in a way they didn't want to think. That's that's not that's not what we believe in. But we thought if we can build momentum and get people to, you know, we would tell people what, what we were about, what we thought, we how we wanted to work, and people reached out to us. And it's grown. Like, the momentum is growing. People, I think that the kind of idea of civic UEA is now becoming really prominent, both within the institution and externally. So um, we're getting a lot of requests to go to external meetings, meet groups, go to events because the momentum is building. Yeah. Coalition of the willing is, you know, people is, notice people, what you do. Yeah, and, they, and, like, and I think, and I also think that it's, it's about t- time and place as well yes. on our side. So, you know, whether you like the, the terminology or not, you know, there's a lot of funding around research funding around kind of place-based, um, you know, research and thinking about that or levelling up agenda. So regardless of whether, you know, you like those terms, I think we sit within that kind of national framing as well about the importance of place and where people live and work. And and so I think we, we are sort of, there's an ecosystem that is both the university region and then the kind of national discourse around those sorts of things that I think are also on our side. I mean, and not just on our side in terms of timing, also time on our side in terms of, where we are like people look at east anglia and they look at uea and they see regardless of us doing anything this would be an exemplary case study because it's so specific it's so unique it's such a you know within a civic sort of pride in place all that sort of language mm-hmm. like uea is is intrinsically interesting for that because it's a university founded by the region for the region in a remote but not disconnected part of the country uh, like you're, you're in norwich which is in a, a- fundamentally fascinating city it's amazing city. it is it is an amazing city I, I i and i speak as someone who loves cambridge i love going to cambridge i love being in cambridge i love the buzz of you get of being in cambridge it, it, it reminds me of being in, when you're in parliament that kind of purposeful activity everywhere but it's not norwich which is which feels both smaller but in a weird way by being smaller it actually feels it feels like the tardis it feels smaller and bigger at the same time it's it's completely disproportionate like yeah. for its size the yeah. amount of stuff going on in norwich like the number of like you know arts council mpos there's loads of them here like compare that to somewhere like uh, mpo national portfolio organisation like, um sorry jogging tla yeah yeah oh, what's tla <laughs> three letter acronym yeah 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 oh god we're really good at them at uea it starts in the name yes um yeah like you know the number of quality restaurants here like it's it's it, independent shops independent shops yeah i mean like mm-hmm. the, the, we're, we're like we're like norwich is like kind of the home of independent Festivals. culture yeah. it's it's amazing 
Like, you know, that, and that's really unique. And it's because there's no other major cities further on. Like, you're not, you know, if, you know you're, you're going to Norwich if you come to Norwich. But I also think that, that that's another, that's, a, that's also a plus. Like, that's why we're able to do a lot. And I think where the momentum's growing, because there's, you know, it's a bit of a, a joke in, in, for those of us who kind of grew up in, in, in Norwich. It's like, oh, you, you know, you know everybody or whatever, you know. But actually, that's the same thing you get. You know, you have multiple generations might be working there and then we have lots of people coming from other parts of the world. But slowly but surely, if you're there for any amount of time, you start to know a lot of people. There's and thick social yeah, ties. There are. And so you can use that. And that's, again, the point about those intangible things, those things that really matter that you can then build on. Can I look back to something you, you said? Yeah, of course. To reflect on. I think if we started this project, like we're like, here are our KPIs. These are the number of people we need to engage. KPI, key performance indicators. Thank, yeah, thank you. you know, which, you know, which, which every, every large institution uses now. If we'd sort of gone in and said like, you know, these are the, the definite outcomes we need to achieve. And we did have one, right? We said we'd write this charter, but we didn't say anything about what would go in the charter. We said we're going to have a process to get there. And that process was going to be open. And democratic. And democratic. And and because of that, like all sorts of things can bubble up all the time. Like difficult questions get easily answered because you're throwing like, you know, the attention of who anyone in the region who cares enough about these questions to come and spend a day at I should probably say we did another used another method as well. But like, you know, in terms of the open space meetings, like any anyone who who cared enough to to want to think about that for a day with other people can get through tricky questions quickly. Because there's more eyes on it, there's more thought, there's more more people caring about it. We've been recognised nationally for that approach as well. We should say, oh great, you know, in terms Quite of too. kind of not just taking a sort of a survey approach or kind of YouGov poll type approach of what do you think the issues are, and it's that's very kind of unidirectional, isn't it? You know, just kind of reaching out. It's not that's not not real consultation at all. So I think that you know, recognised at a kind of national level that what we're doing is 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 quite special. It, yeah. I mean, it really is. What you're describing is you are striving for things that fundamentally defy measurement. What do you measure caring against apart from not caring? Um, what do you measure? How how can you gradate feeling? Yeah. Is that, gradate, is that a word? I've just made it up. Right there. No, down. no, that's exactly it. How do you gradate feeling about place? You kind of, you're putting yourself at the mercy of the, <laughs> of the elements almost, uh, of sort of really primal things. When we... Um... The, no, we, our AGM is called Court, and sort of yeah. all of the the sort of regional stakeholders come, and and I had to try and find a phrase to say what we were going for because one I was saying we're not going to rush this, we're not we're not racing, you know, we want to do this properly, we want to do this in a meaningful way, and and the outcome that we want is we want to people to feel like UEA's in the water, like it was like you know we're just we're we're in the water in the region, like when people think about. A, a civic institution that supports them, their needs, their aspirations, their values. Like UEA is in the water for you, them. You basically want to, to, to people to feel that UEA has their back. Yeah, we do. I, I'm in this. We're in this region, and UEA has my back. Yeah. I may not be a student at UEA. I may not have a child who is a student at UEA, but I live here. I'm part of this region, and UEA has my back. Yeah. 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 And it's where you'd go to for for different things that you might want it might be that you just go there to use the sports park got this amazing sports park right yeah absolutely incredible mm. 1.3 uh, million visitors a year yeah it is incredible absolutely amazing yeah or just to have a wander around the beautiful park or you know yes. go into the free sainsbury center what an extraordinary place to go and wander around and look at some 
beautiful. Yeah, I spent uh, Easter Sunday sketching at the uh, the Broad. Oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah. nice. So, or it might be that you've actually got an idea that you want to try and you know further, and you might find a, there's an academic or a group of people that are doing something that you you know you might want to contact them. To, I mean, so there's all of these different ways people might interact with with UEA, and I think that's the point is that people look to it for different things. Easter Promise did some work with the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor. And one of the people we inter I interviewed for that was a lady called Rena Dial, who's fantastic. And she introduced me to this research from Gallup that basically says you get more progress, more better results from your team, from your people by focusing on where they are strong and not focusing or not spending anywhere near as much time focusing on where they are weak. You don't put your best batsman straight into the outfield. You put your best batsman into bat. You put your best fielder into field. You don't spend time saying, now the, the fielder has to learn how to bat and the batter has to learn how to field and swap them around when you're trying to achieve something. So, Johanna, can I ask you to reflect on... Please don't ask me about cricket. <laughs> cricket and uh, England's chances at the next... Oh, God, I don't, I, the, the last thing I know about is sport. Um, uh, could I ask you to reflect on how you guys bring out those strengths where you see them. And I think, and tell me if I'm right or, or, or not, <laughs> that you will be able to see strengths in those institutions and those partners and those people, individual wonderful people, that they don't see in themselves. Because that's that's the privilege I get. And I'm, get, I'm, I'm experiencing it right now. I'm just, oh, gosh, that's a difficult question. So, I mean... In in terms of other institutions, and well, you, you, or, or people within our within UEA. Well, any either because I'm just confident that you will, when you're doing this work, the civic university work, and you're engaging with those outside partners and individual citizens, you will, in some, in many, in if not most, you two guys will see in them a strength and uh, ability and a contribution that they undersell or aren't confident in or simply don't realise that they have. Because, as I say, that's a privilege I get, is to go around and, and, and talk to people like you, you two who have this, this, this kind of really great strength and they're making a huge contribution to our region. And they don't quite know how wonderful and how special and how critical their role is in making this such a wonderful place to be, to live, to work and play. God, I've gone flowery. No, I... no, I'm, I'm, no I, I'm just sort of thinking, I'm actually thinking. Uh, I think that um, universities are very they're hierarchical. They are they're, they're structured in particular ways. And, you know, if you think about ours, we have your school, that you're mm -hmm. affiliated to. So I'm, I'm, I work within the School of International Development. Ben is in School of Politics. Philosophy, Languages, and Communication Studies. <laughs> there we go. Get that one. Get that bit right. Sorry, that's, that's, that was my degree. PPL. Yeah. Yeah. See, we do things by acronyms. So I never remember. What... <laughs> TLA. So we're in schools. I'm in the School of International Development. That's within the Faculty of Social Sciences. And then Ben is in a different school to me in a different faculty and then we've got you know multiple faculties so we've got the faculty of medicine of yeah. um, sciences i'm in social sciences humanities and arts and so the point is we are sort of an umbrella 
over that. So we are, we this role, this civic role we have, sits outside of that. And I think if I think about some of the things you've just said about how we interact and how we bring out the amazing work people are doing, it's because we're doing it. As, we are academics, so we un, we do understand and we are curious, and we can we can draw links and critically think about you know some of the linkages and and, and the opportunities that might arise. But we are we we are seeing it at a at a university wide level and then we are also we have access to all the other parts of this huge ecosystem of the university through kind of you know communications and the um public affairs and all these other elements and then we are able to bring that to some of these specific brilliant things that people are doing and i think i'm speaking this personally now you know when I didn't have this role and I was I was working as a, a sort of more junior academic it was a complete mystery to me to work out how I could promote some of the stuff that I was doing and so I think that that's certainly something that's come through with the conversations allow you know showing people the, the way through this 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 large institution and how to you know how how to better promote it within the civic remit that we that we sit within one of the first things we did which was just really simple it was really simple is people do this stuff because it's in their DNA, because they care about the place, they care about the work, they care about the people they work with. And so they'll often do it without any sort of expectation of reward or recognition. And they just they just get on with it. They don't they don't even often don't feel the need to shout about it. Um, and that that's another problem. That they we might do not need even to shout put it on it. their promotions yeah. application. Mm. But they didn't think to, to put it there because the metrics didn't use to value it. And now right? they do. And now they do. So, so that's... now people get promoted for civic activity or is in is in the criteria. Yeah. And it wasn't before. Yeah. And that was the easiest thing to do. <laughs> but also just like a simple, really important thing just to yeah. say, actually, like the university values this. It recognises it that if you're doing this work, it's a meaningful material contribution to the university's like social mission basically mm -hmm. what we what we what why are we what, here yeah, why are yeah. Here? What, that, what is the point what, what is the point of being here if we are not yeah also yeah so this very simple thing yeah. we put out an email yeah this is this is who we are ben and johanna this is what we're we're leading email us if you've got something you want to tell us about that's, we were inundated that, like we, we got a lot of emails <laughs> and we went and had meetings with people and they told us all about the brilliant stuff they're doing. And and again, it's another, you know, so brave. gender setting. Well, no, I don't think it's brave. It was part of the job. I mean, that's that's what mm. we thought was the way to do it. You know, we knew of some things that were going on. But again, that's only within our kind of academic kind of spheres that we were already in. Just just going back to sort of the broader question. I think there is also like there's a modern modestness to the region. Yes. Um, now, and, now, yeah. And and like that's really really deep. Um, and people, even if they're not from the region, pick it up really quickly. It's like you know, get on, do excellent work, do it quietly, don't brag about it. Like you know, and actually, it takes sometimes it takes people coming along to say, no, no, we're going to shout about you now. We're going to tell yeah. everyone about all the great stuff you're doing, and we're not going to be quiet about it. And you know, if you get some recognition for it, thank you. That's what you deserve. Like, like not yeah, them yeah, saying thank you to us. We're saying thank my, you to them. That, that, that you, you've basically just um, this might be yours too, but that's my mission statement basically. Yeah. And, and you've described me to a T. I'm someone who's basically bumbled in from 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 outside the region. I got basically told by my wife, who's a Norfolk girl, uh, we can live anywhere in the country you like as long as it's called Norfolk. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, okay, darling. That's that's that's. And I, I really didn't care. I was like, fine, yeah, that's that's cool. Um, and um, and that's how I, you know, I've been here for now 23 years. And 
another privilege of what I got to do uh, working for a, for a member of parliament was you get to see everything at its shiniest, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because of the nature of those places you go and the meetings you have, everyone's on there, you know, makes things sure that everything's at its shiniest. Um, so you get that kind of, I don't want to say, it's not, not a misperception, but you see it as its best, the best it can possibly be. And you get to learn about it, the best it can possibly be. And then you say, well, why aren't we talking more about the best it can possibly be? What might what troubles me sometimes is, and it's maybe something you, you slightly alluded to there, in a cultural sense, does the region want to be no, lionized? No, I, I think I think that's the other thing is I mean someone said this explicit explicitly to me. I was talking, you know, oh, like, oh I think about developing heritage and culture in in you know Norwich and the region, and it's just like, and it's just sort of like to me went, yeah. We don't want people to know about Norwich because then they'll all, you know, we'll Come. be, we'll, we'll be overrun. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, we, I, like, people want to keep Norwich as, as it is because it's, it's, it's a vibrant, lovely, I mean, I, I, I think let's open the doors and like shout about you, it. But people do worry that like, you know, yeah. it will lose its, it will lose its charm. I remember because I, I, I was working at the time of the A11 finally dueling be complete. Yeah, okay. And I remember opening a letter that said... For God's sake, stop! People will come. Um, you and I say, in all seriousness, and I felt this person's pain. But you just think, when do we put a pin in and say this far and no further? Which 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 historical part point in time are we saying? That's the bit we have to kind of hang on to. No, or is it? A, no, I know. I, I'm agreeing. Is this a period of? It's just a process, and. The problem, just to come back to what you were saying, is there is something inherently special about our places. And the only way to discover how a goose lays golden eggs is an autopsy, which is, <laughs> which is not ideal. Um, if you truly value what it is, you will find a way to grow it and keep it special. Yeah. And who's to say that by growing it and doing the kind of things that we're all doing, we're not going to keep it as it is and make it even more special. And why should we not share that wonder, that stupendous quality of life, scientific discovery, engineering, technology? It's all here. Why should we not share it? What right have we to keep that to ourselves? No, I know. It's, it's weird. You know, when we do... I'm something... not running for anything, no, no, let no, me no, be clear. No, no. When we do something seriously, we lead on it in this region. We're like, yeah. you know... You look at UEA, we've got like, you know, numerous like world class like subject areas, like places which really are like, you know, yeah. the place in the world or certainly in the country to, to study, to, to research. Like, you know, it's not. And we, 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 we keep it quiet a little bit. And, you know, Norwich third, what is it? RSA, did you see that? The historic um, environment index? You know, Norwich is third in the country. Really? I you know, don't, you know that, that I'm going to look into that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a reason why students don't want to leave afterwards. Yeah, well. yeah. Like we've got a, cute, a really high retention rate of students coming through UEA stay in Norwich. What is incredible, actually, people fret about... Graduates. Grad and I had this conversation with Nigel Cushion um, and uh, Charlotte Pounder and his team. People fret about, oh, Cambridge is coming snaffling our youth, London's coming snaffling our youth. Look at the volume of people who come back highest in the country and you say thank you for giving all these really rich experiences that we are now from which we are now going to benefit as a region cheers 
But this is this is something we need to work like more closely with regional partners with. And this is, you know, this part of this process of alignment is like we need to think about like what are our students students graduating into? How can they have the high quality jobs in the region where they, you know, a huge number of them want to stay. They don't want to leave. They want to have their careers here. And we, we, you know, that's a that's a process which we have to go through, you know, with talking to the council, you know, the I think it's like a belief it's... in offer as yeah. well, and I, I I think sometimes we 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 fall we have as a region, and particularly I, I don't want to single out Norfolk, but I think this is somewhere Norfolk needs perhaps needs to focus. Is it's sometimes we don't believe in our offer, and when you see what you guys see, when you see what I get to see, God, this is a loving, isn't it? We're all, all wonderful. <laughs> when you get to see what we see, you think, how can you not believe in this? Yeah. How can you not scream from the rooftops? This is fantastic. We um we get sort of other academics visiting us who are interested in like the the civic the civic project, and we took took one round campus the other day, and he, you know, at one point he just said, "Oh yeah, I can see that really special things could happen here, like just from sort of walking around, like the sense, the feeling, the ambience of of being on the campus, mm-hmm. you know, and that." I know, I know. It, 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 it defies the English language. Johanna, mm-hmm. would you see yourself, and you described this earlier about being, are you silo busters? Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know, UEA is, is famous for interdisciplinary research. I mean, that, as, a, as, a, as a way of working, it has a long history in that. You know, so anyone who's come through UEA, whether they're a student or undergrad postgraduate i myself did my phd in in the school of environmental sciences and you know that's a while ago now but you know it, it's something that we we're so used to doing working with people from different disciplines thinking differently taking something from here putting it over there you know and this work with civic has blown that wide open for me so you know someone who's a, i'm an environmental social scientist but i now work with ben who works in media and politics, and I work with archaeologists, and I work with people in history, and suddenly I'm seeing things in all manner of different ways. And again, it comes back to the point about why I think our skills are quite complementary because we come from really yeah. different spaces. But that's... definitely, that is what we're doing, and I think that's something that again UEA should shout about as much as we possibly can because we do it really, really well. Um, we've been doing it for decades and decades and again it's the size and it's the ecosystem that allows us to do that because we actually are able to find people that do things Mm. in a different way Mm. and that's how brilliant world leading research and teaching happens i mean the other thing about the civic project is you're talking in academic terms about like interdisciplinary stuff is like the the civic project sees the university as a whole community so um a new project. We're supposed to be saying program. It's a program. It's not a project. It's not going to end. It's like it's for the university. It's going to continue. You know, I'll, 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 I'll go through, and every time you say you say project, there'll be my voice going program. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like that. Um, but you know, it's it's not it's not like academics over here, rest of the university over over there. It's like seeing that the university as a whole community and community of communities and community of communities in other communities. It's you like- have to. You have to, because without that, the, the, the wider community, and as you say, the community within the community, it would fall over in pretty short order. Um, and none of us, uh, you know, ironically, for, for we're on an island, 
but we're we're very much not an island, um, not here, not in the wider region, and not not in the country. I mean, we, without the wider UK, the wider continent, the wider world, what would we be? We'd be, we'd certainly be all the poorer for it, and I don't mean financially. I, I really want to know how how Eastern Promise can support you, amplify, uh, add value to what you're doing. You know, even just in the you know, if it's just this in this small way. But I identify so strongly with the work you're doing and I have done since I read up about it. And your passion is evident and anyone listening to this will hear it. So with the Charter, um, the Charter's going to launch at court on the 5th of October. I yeah. think that's not 100% confirmed, but it's it's 5th of October is, is I think, the AGM date, the court date, and we're going we're gonna to formally launch it then. Once it's launched, anyone in the region will be invited to sign it. So, so yeah. it will be it will be a statement of like these. This is values, intent, context. Like it's come through this this process where, you know, it's not going to be our words. It's going to be the words that have come up through the books that we've produced through these events and through this polling I told you about. Um, and and once it's there, it's it stands as a a statement of commitment, intent to the region from the university. And we invite people to sign it to sort of say to be an official. You know, anyone who lives here can be an official signatory. I, I, I certainly hope I, I, I will be and, an official signatory. And actually, but before that, if it, we're actually planning on having um, having a small stand at the Royal Norfolk Show. Ooh. So actually, I think we'll have a, a draft version of that charter people to come and give comments. To, yeah. to come and give comments. So well, you know, we, we we haven't quite worked out how to creatively do it, but it'll be probably something like a commentary or some sort of way that people can kind of jot down their thinking about it. So they will see that. I guess it's is it the twenty seventh, twenty eighth of June? It is. It is. I had a meeting about that um, just yesterday. Yeah, and then the, and then when it's finally out there, it is going to be used as as Ben has said, it's this sort kind of statement of shared intent. Whether that's an individual saying, "Yeah, I really like that. I want to put my support behind it," or somebody on behalf of an organisation within, say, let's just say, uh, within East Anglia, who says, "Great, this is a way we can now formalise a little bit more of a you know relationship between UEA and us," and then we can take that. Ben and I can then take that and go forth with building that relationship in whatever way, shape, or form it. It manifests. We're going to be we're going to be asking people who have existing relationships with the university to alongside the person they work most closely with, and that's in most cases won't be us. Yeah. It will be someone else, mm-hmm. um, someone in a different role, and together formulate text which they can sort of put alongside the charter as what we're calling a sort of like bilateral a bilateral but... agreement between between an organisation and the university say, well, this is the scope of our of our collaboration. This is what we do. This is what we'd like to do. And that will sit alongside and around the charter. Um, so so that's those are the two the two things. And hopefully, like as the years go on, that list can grow, those statements can change. Um, you know, our relationships will change, our part will new partners will come. You know, we we tend to be here for another sixty years at least. So, you know, well, uh, and, and, that, and that's it's open ended, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. that's the point. It's like engage, engage with with us through this process. But you know, we don't, we haven't pre-written, you know, the plan after after October. It's it's as as it develops with with the people that and the organisations that want to. Well, you can count with us. Count Eastern Promise in. Cool. Uh, FWIW, and I look forward to signing both personally and 
as in the, in this role. Will you please, both of you, when the charter exists, come back, either here or somewhere, and talk us through what the charter says, and we can have hopefully I d- the best times I do this is when frankly I don't care if it's recorded or not I've had the best time and this is one of those times I've had the best time talking about this because it's it's fundamentally wonderful to share passion about where we are strong and what we can all give and bring to the table and share it and 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 you know there's there's a line from a a Marvel movie silence your ego and your power will rise and that's something that you alluded to earlier um and that's something I should work on, really. Um, but, you know, I, anything, I, I, sh- I shall motor towards you with the microphone at the, at the Royal Norfolk show because I should be there yeah. uh, vox popping like crazy. How wonderful it's been to talk to you both and to, 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 to feel that, that passion and that sense of encouraging the community to come out of itself, share what it knows and just be part of something wonderful. Dr. Johanna Forster, Dr. Ben Little. I do, I do love, you know, people who've worked damn hard for titles deserve to have them put front and centre. Thank you both for, for giving so generously of your time this afternoon. Thank you for coming on Eastern Promise and sharing just this, this, this wonderful story of communitarian spirit from the University of East Anglia. I've really appreciated it. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks a lot. My huge thanks to Johanna and Ben and I hope you've managed to glean a flavour of their work from these edited highlights. I also tried to keep the interjections of the squeaky office chair to a minimum. It wasn't so noticeable at the time, and I can't possibly say who was seated upon it, except I'm rather afraid that it was me. If you see Ben and Johanna as part of the UEA tent at the Royal Norfolk show later this month, do go and say hello, find out more about what they're doing, and see how you can support this brilliant initiative. During my discussion with Dr Ben Little and Dr Johanna Forster on the Civic University project, they brought up a beautiful and moving story of leadership, courage and reconciliation that I wanted to share with you on its own terms, connected to the other interview but also standing on its own. So, let's join Ben once more to hear the full story. When we ran our first civic open space, uh, the Lord Mayor, Kevin Maguire, um, came to it. And, and afterwards, um, he sort of approached me. And, and I, I, don't know, I don't know how he worked out that or found out that I, I was Jewish. I mean, I think in a conversation, we had a, we had a background. We had a, you know, we talked a bit about background and stuff. And he, he, he approached me and he said, like, look, I've got, this, I've got this thing that I'm thinking about doing. I don't know. I don't know how it would work. Like, maybe we could have a conversation. So we... So, I'll tell you what it was about in a sec, but in, in the end, I brought together uh, the Oren Margolis, who is amazing, Dr. Oren Margolis, who runs the Jewish Heritage Group at UEA, which is a partnership between uh, UEA, the Norfolk Hebrew Congregation, and the Norfolk Records Office. And we went and had a meeting with, with the Lord Mayor, and the Lord Mayor said, um, I think it's really important that the city make an apology through my office for um, the establishment of the blood libel. 
And we all sort of looked around and went like, okay, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we thought like, you know, it's, it's been, it's been 800 years since, uh, you know, this boy, William was murdered in Norwich and it's been a bit less than that since he was, um, I get the dates. I'm not going to get the dates exactly right, but you know, a bit less than that before the story emerged that he was richly sacrificed by by Jews in Norwich, and and then this this led to the establishment of what's known as the blood libel. Now, the blood libel is the most uh, pernicious. It's one of the stickiest um, stories, anti-Semitic stories about Jews, which has been used to justify all sorts of horrific violence over over the last 800 years. And it, the earliest known record of it was in Norwich. Now, Norwich has a rich, important Jewish history. Um, the most significant Hebrew poet of the, you know, poet writing in Hebrew of, of the Middle Ages in England was mayor of Norwich. And he was, you know, he, he wrote in Norwich off, long after this happened. The oldest um, Jewish habitation in the, in the country is Jernet's Bar, Jernet's House uh, on King Street. Um, and, and, you know, the Jewish community was very significant here until expelled nationally in 1290. Um, and, and again, re returning um, a few hundred years later, and, and has, there's always been, except for that period, uh, a, a significant Jewish community. And it's been part of Norwich's life and Norwich's history. Um, and that story hasn't been well told by the city. And the mayor recognised that and wanted to, you know, create some sort of way of I, mean, I don't want to speak for him too much. Like he can, you can probably no. ask him yourself about this. But um, uh, after Perda, though, um, yes, yeah, yes, Perda's fun. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but wanted wanted to to do something to address that and to make amends. And his his idea was he would issue a sort of a civic apology um, for the foundation of the blood libel, which resonates. You know, you know, it's it's really important for Norwich. It's a really important part of Norwich's history, which we don't tell well. Um, but it's it's significant internationally. You know, the blood libel is still driving anti-Semitic conspiracy, things like QAnon, um, yeah. and and you know it, it's 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 still present. So this was this was actually like you know we sort of said okay, we thought quite hard about how we could do it, and also recognise that this is this is quite a big deal, which needs to be done right. It needs to be done sensitively. It needs to be done appropriately. Um, so we got together with the Sainsbury Centre and we organised a Passover meal, a seder, um, just. A week ago, yeah, yeah, it was on. It was on the twelfth of April. It wasn't. It wasn't one of the official normal meal nights, but it was still within the holiday. Um, we got people from the local Jewish community to come. We invited civic leaders, a number of them, um, and we held. Uh, I mean, it was I've, extraordinary. I've been. I have yeah. been to many of these events. So the, this, the 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 seder is a is a is a ritual meal. It's the it's the festival of liberation. It's the story of the Jewish exodus from Egypt, and you tell that story through. Um, singing through food, the food sort of helps to tell the story. It's all symbolic, um, and you drink four glasses of wine. And normally it's red wine, um, but but in this, like, there's a there's sort of um, there's a there's a rabbinic decree, I think, from somewhere in the Ukraine when there was blood libel going on. That so anyone who witnesses a seder isn't confused by the content of the glasses. Where you're at risk of of, of a blood libel occur occurring, you drink white wine rather than red. So um, we started drinking white wine and then halfway through, or actually it's quite, quite close towards the, the, the beginning of the, of the meal, there's, there's the youngest is supposed to ask four questions and instead the, the mayor asked those four questions and then the community sang the song that's associated with it. And then 
um, there's a there's also a you, you break matzah, so you'd only eat unleavened bread on Passover, uh, and so one of the one of the matzahs is called the afikomen, and it's it's a broken matzah, and it's like a promise that can never be put back together. So that's like the symbolism of it, because matzah is like cracker bread; you can't sort of stick it back, so you can't smush it back together. Uh, and so and so normally children look for that, and when they when they find it, they can sort of make a demand of the head of the table for, for some sort of gift or present or something. But instead of doing that, uh, the Lord Mayor um, then issued this wonderful apology um, on behalf of the city for, for this story which has circulated around the globe, uh, which has shaped you know, Jewish history. Um, yeah, to, to, to a, con- a, you know, a congregation, it was, it was a meal. It was like you have, it's, a yeah. fa- it's a family meal. Yeah. Um, of 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 people from the Jewish community, people from faith groups, people from like the education system, um, all all gathered together to so witness this from planning there as well. The road roads yeah. because obviously some of the roads in yeah. well, you know after William, so there were lots of different people there, and it was yeah, it was just like this fantastically moving experience. I mean, you're just relating it to me. Um, I, it, it, I can, you know attest to that just just second third hand but my goodness that it's the start of something as well. yeah, I think yeah, that's the start... other thing it's the start of healing something. so is what yeah but... yeah but also the start so the start of a, of a story a story that's norwich's history but it's more than that it's about a global story it's also about how an act a horrendous act can then lead to misinformation and conspiracy centuries later yeah, and we see that, don't we, in in our, well, in, in the everyday newsreel, right? And so it's about recognizing that, and I think that's what makes this. There are so many layers to this, this this event, yeah. this moment, think... this piece of this this piece of activity that that has sat within a kind of the civic work that that we've been doing. Um, that again, it shows how when we go back to what we were saying before, the civic UEA work and the global are not at odds with each other. No. They are very much entwined. And this is a I think a, a, a beautiful example of that. It is. I think in, in the wet in the Western culture, especially the way it is today, it, you know, it is very is very much a, a amnesiac culture in that we move on so fast. We we don't often appreciate the way that some cultures have that memory that stretches back so far than we can possibly comprehend. I mean, the core thing of the Passover meal is you don't do the Passover meal to remember the people who left from Egypt. The Passover meal is, it, it is as if we are, it is us. Every generation leaves Egypt, you know, through through this ritual to, to remember it. Like that's, that's it's it's not, it's not your ancestors doing it. It's, it's we here, at, we're leaving Egypt. I, I think, the, the, first of all, the, just comment on the phenomenal leadership that it takes politically to do something like that, I think he's he's wonderful and, and all credit, uh, you know, all credit to to Kevin Maguire f- for doing that. And uh, you know, uh, I I wish and I hope that that's something we see more of across the board, especially with a country with a history like this one. But I just you were speaking, and I was one of the things that was coming into my mind was weirdly Ted Lasso. Okay, and hang on, hang on. No, wait. There is a point. It's when he says to uh, the the club owner about being curious, not judgmental. It's it was um, Woody Guthrie, I believe. Be curious, not judgmental. 
And I don't know if it's an academic training that you get as someone who's, you know, or, or it's just an innate something that's part of a certain type of human being. But while you were talking, all I could think about was wanting to know more and wanting to get engaged and thinking, what a beautiful, you know, beautiful story. How how fascinating to learn about an, a, a culture like that, uh, you know, that I know so little about. And, and what wonderful work you guys do to bring that out. But I think that you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. So I grew up in, in Norfolk from the age of about five. And um, I'm, I'm also Jewish. My mother's Jewish. And um, I didn't know anything about that growing up. And I don't think many people, unless they were particularly interested in history or Jewish history, would have known about it either. And I think that there is, there's, a, there's a real moment now, again, this is something that is building momentum around different ways that we can go from here. You know, it's around kind of education It's making sure that if you, you know, you, you grow up here and you go on a school trip, you don't just visit the cathedral, beautiful as it is, but you go to other sites in the city that are important for the Jewish history. And there are things that are hopefully going to emerge from the Seder that Ben talked about around, you know, renovating hopefully Janet's house or the places where blue plaques can be put up you know so are there ways that we can um recognize the infrastructure that's here and actually teach our young people more about the history and in the place that they live both because it matters for Norwich it's Norwich history but it's also a, an understanding about global history and and, and um you know and and I mean, Oren had this wonderful line in in the in the Seder in the in the service where he said, like, you know, we often we often talk about Norwich as a city of strangers, but Jews are not strangers to Norwich. Mm -hmm. Jews have always been in Norwich. They've always been a part of Norwich's history. There is much, you know, they're much a part of Norwich yeah. as, as anyone else. Like, there's no. You, you're not the first person to use that phrase to me. Nigel Cushing's used it, but I think he used it in a in a sense to mean uh, there's. We, uh, that's how we start, but there is a rich. I think he 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 meant it in the sense that there is a richness to the culture that comes from all these strands that that find themselves in this city, and because of its size, because of its nature. I mean, people from London can't quite believe you can be in countryside and in the centre. You know, hang on a minute. <laughs> I was, well, you know, we're a city of sanctuary. We yeah. have the University of Sanctuary. We have brilliant work. It's so important, though. Again, you know linked to UEA but not just you know incredible and that was again came through the Seder this was not just about a Jewish community feeling that they're strangers but it's about you know no other shall be recognized like that and it's yeah. about including everybody here and this is a place of sanctuary and that you know that's something that we should yeah we're bringing celebrate over from the Ukraine like you, know, you, there's, you, there's... you raise Ukraine yeah I mean I'll just say a word for someone outside of of North Norwich um, I had on uh, Susan Gowling uh, who works in Cambridgeshire and Hertfordshire and Cumbria, weirdly, uh, because she's from Cumbria. And she, she'd be too modest to say so, but hers was a story of basically um, altruism and philanthropy from the get-go. This is because it's what, what, what her father taught her, and this is a fantastic story that she brought out. But she had an IT company that specialised in basically taking people, refreshing IT, 
So when an organisation like the UEA buys new laptops, I don't know if he does it at school at a time or what, but new computers, she'd come in and wipe the old computers. Her firm would wipe the old computers clean, give you a nice certificate to say, we've safely removed all your data. And But then the pandemic came. And so many stories of, of discovery and, and uh, start and, you know, good things happening with the ter- terrible thing, which is the, then the pandemic came. And she had engineers sitting around going, what are we going to do? Because we can't go into places. And she had stacks of IT, you know, parts doing what we're going to do with all this stuff because we can't take it anywhere. So what she did was she started laptops for learning to fight digital exclusion because kids couldn't get online to do their lessons. So her engineers start putting all these laptops together, installing operating systems that they, they provide. And they've not just given them to, I mean, they sell them as well. Uh, I think they call it laptops for good. Um but they also take them to, to, to digital ex- kids, kids and families digital exclusion because you've got families who basically have to have a rotor to use the computer. Uh, but they say that you raise Ukraine. They, they also gave a batch, a big batch, to Ukrainian refugees so they could effectively apply for jobs and contact home and, and see their loved ones, not just talk to them down a, down a telephone. So, you know, there's another example of that wonderful altruism and community spirit happening in the region. God, this has been a fun, a wonderful conversation. Thank you again, both, for adding that. What a rich and beautiful story. I mean, it's, thank you. You know, someone from the city, the, the civic inputs of the city, came to us, and you know, that's something a university can do. We can bring together appropriate knowledge and expertise. We can provide contacts. We can, you know, yes. we can, we can it, host we can host a meal in a space like the Saint Without Center. the university, it wouldn't happen without the university. It needed a, a you know a world leading expert in the history. Orin needed Ben to think join all the dots and you know provide the infrastructure that's the point you know it, and there are lots of people that have been working around the edges of it through the jewish community here but it, it the critical turning point i think was was linking up with with uea it was a true privilege for me not to mention an education to have such a deeply moving story shared on Eastern Promise. And I want to take this opportunity to commend and salute all those involved, particularly Ben, Johanna, Dr Oren Margulis and Councillor Kevin Maguire, who was Lord Mayor of Norwich at the time. The fine city has been made finer still thanks to you. And now, a famous man once said, I think it might have been James Joyce, never trust a brilliant idea unless it survives the hangover. So, without further ado, let's turn to one idea that's still resolutely in happy hour. Yes, it's time for another... Crowd Sorcery. Yes, crowd sorcery. Where we contemplate the wonders of a pub lunch. Now, I'll thank you not to detect a double entendre where none is intended. But I'm not a huge fan of the standard meat and two veg, preferring to slip a bit of beef in between two lightly toasted buns. (laughs) 
and I definitely prefer a side salad to boiled veg, something the 80s ruined for me. Now, for my money, you can't top the carvery at the Stag Restaurant at Breckland Lodge on the A11 near Attleborough. However, there's a huge range of options across our region, so for many of you, it will be so difficult to choose. And that's certainly the issue bedeviling Richard Powell OBE, environmental charity advisor and independent chair. Says Richard, so many to choose from. The Four Horseshoes at Thornham, south of Dis, is awesome. But one out of the way is Shorehouse Restaurant at Lang, on the west coast of Scotland. Absolutely stunning. Now, taking issue with this choice is Stephen Palmer, MCIOB, carpenter and senior site manager. Says he, that's a bit out of the way from the east of England. True, true, but as it's from Richard, I'll allow it. Staunch in his love for the Whitaker White Lion is our friend Saul Humphrey, managing partner of Saul D. Humphrey LLP, certified B Corporation, professor at Anglia Ruskin University, Chair of Institute of Directors Norfolk and Chair of New Anglia Lepps Building Growth Group. The Whitaker White Lion. Every time, says Saul. And this choice is looked on approvingly by Tim Robinson, Chief Operating Officer at Tech East. Sounds lovely, says Tim, who himself recommends the station in Framlingham. Now, from a podcast hosted by a giant pudding to the equally sizable Yorkshire variety, found at The Gamekeeper at Old Buckingham, close to the home and the heart of Amy Wright, event account manager for Norfolk Chambers of Commerce. A quick hop across the Waveney and into Suffolk now, as Sue Simmons, innovation showcase manager, brings us the Woolpack in Ipswich. Meanwhile, someone who knows that, back in Norfolk, you never pass on the mustard, is Jamie Dady, factory support at Condimentum helping to produce the finest ambient ingredients. I always enjoy the fur and feathers wood bastwick, says Jamie. Perhaps without realising it, he's set up a series of fine feathery-themed food vendors. The Ingham Swan, that's Norfolk Ingham, not the Suffolk Ingham, is very nice, says friend of the show and business development manager for Chaplin Farrant, Michelle Chambers. The Swan can also be found at East Harling in Norfolk, where new crowdsourcer Haley Sturman, facades estimator at Aspiration Group, says they do an amazing Sunday roast. What a public service. Thank you for all those suggestions, which rival the AA star rating or TripAdvisor for help to the hungry and the baffled. Next week, I'll be joined by Jonathan Reynolds of the Opogee Group, to discuss what the huge shift towards renewable energy could mean for the east of England, how we can ensure our region has the skills necessary to make the most of this, and on the need to bring our region together to find the points of connection between cities, counties and businesses, and to build outwards from there. It's exciting, uplifting, and if I could summarise it in just four letters, they would be JFDI. I am really excited to share this one with you all. 
And that was episode 65 of Eastern Promise. And it only remains for me to thank Dr. Johanna Forster and Dr. Ben Little of the UEA Civic University Project. To thank all my crowdsourcers and Engineer49, who's already taken note of your suggestions and gone down the pub. And my thanks to you, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, for joining me and listening to the Eastern Promise podcast. Please do visit our website at easternpromise.org.uk and use the contact page to get in touch. I really am keen to hear from you. You can also email me at mike at easternpromise.site. Fear not, we shall be back together again in seven days for episode 66. So until then, bye for now. You can contact Eastern Promise and find out more about what we do by visiting our website, easternpromise.org.uk. Eastern Promise is a Priors Croft production on behalf of the Eastern Promise East Anglia Community Interest Company.